Hi, and welcome to The Fit, the fashion, innovation, and technology podcast hosted by eFitter, personalizing the shopping experience for you. My name's Judith. And I'm Elizabeth. And on The Fit, we delve into the complex world of fashion and tech with insights from industry players, old and new, and much, much more. Join us every other Monday for a new episode you do not want to miss. Join us every other Monday for a new episode you do not want to miss. To join the tribe, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at eFitterApp and join the conversation using the hashtag TheFitsPod. Oh, hi everybody. Um, we see so many new faces already, which is really exciting. Hi guys. Hi. Um, I'm Elizabeth. I'm Judith. And, and we are this is the future. <laughs> no one knows doing what. <laughs> it's so awkward on live because of the delay, so I never know who's doing what. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Um, but yeah, so if you're new here, we have been running our podcast The Fit for two seasons now on everything to do with fashion, innovation, technology, sustainability. And this is the last episode of our second season. So we thought we'd do something a little bit special considering we've just launched. So um, this is basically for you to ask us anything that you want to know about eFitter, the journey so far, or just us. Um, as you just said, we have some questions to go through, but feel free to add any questions in the chat or in the Q&A, if that's a thing. I don't know if it is, I can't see it. But. It should be, I can see it here, so yeah. Um, hopefully you guys can find it fine. Um, but yeah, we're really excited to go through the questions and to answer your questions today. Don't feel like any question is too small. I think this is a very open discussion where we can talk about anything from sustainability to we're going out to eat <laughs> outside like it's, it's really really chill but um yeah I don't know if you want to start and then so um we launched on Thursday it feels like a lifetime ago how are we feeling post launch <sighs> I feel I, I think I feel a mixture of feelings like I feel really proud of us because the journey to get here has been a very long one and I think as it got closer to the day it got very very I think volatile in a way like we just really didn't know how it was going to go um but to see everyone's response has been overwhelming I think that's one of the words to describe it and it just like reaffirms that we're kind of doing something that people or we're building something that people need um and that's very very invaluable like you can't put value on that um on top of that I do feel like there's added pressure now because it's like, okay, you have a product out there. What's next? You know, like, what are you going to solve next? Who are the next brands you're going to bring out? Um, and what's next for the business? You know, there's so many questions out there, which I think we, in full transparency, are still figuring out. So, yeah, it's just a mixture of things. But I think we're overall really happy um, that you guys are finding our first product really valuable. Yeah, agreed. Um, I was chatting with... Joe Sojo the other day and she was like okay you guys have launched but the hard work starts now and I think that's very much how it feels so it's like I'm relieved I'm so relieved that launch went completely without a hitch it honestly couldn't have been better um and it was really touch and go up until like 3 a.m on the day <laughs> we really didn't know what was gonna happen <laughs> so um, I'm just so glad that it's over. So we kind of had some time to breathe over the weekend and stuff. But now it's kind of like, okay, great. We've got products, as you said, looking at rolling out to the additional brands, looking at um, phase two of eFitter, which is really, really exciting. So it's kind of like, I'm just excited to do the next thing. 
Definitely. Um, do you want to give a bit of insight into what the journey has been up until now? Because I feel like some people have joined us very recently and maybe did not know how long we've been working on this. And I think that says a lot in itself. But do you want to give a bit of insight? Yeah, I think um, you felt, well, you started this, I guess. So this whole journey and that must have been in what, around the start of 2019? Yeah, I want to say March 2019, around the time I registered the business, so it would have been March 2019. Yeah, so um, kind of for background for anyone who's unaware, we knew each other from school and, you know, we just follow each other on social media and we just started talking about fashion retail. And at the time I was working in tech, but working with a lot of fashion retailers. So I would kind of chime in with my two cents about like how I think it's going to go. And also I just had an interest in tech. And then Judith DM'd me and was like, hey, <laughs> I want to start a podcast. Are you in? Yeah, why not? So we met up and this was around October, November 2019. And said, okay, she said, okay, this is what I'm doing. I have this idea for a sizing solution and I want to have a podcast so that we can just talk about what's going on. And I was like, hmm, okay, yeah, this sounds cool. This sounds cool. Um, I like the podcast, but I want in on the business too. Um, because... <laughs> it just made sense to me and you I think you sold it to me <laughs> I don't know if you intended to but you kind of sold it as like hey this is a great thing that I'm doing and I was just like yeah I'm, I'm totally into it and that was the beginning of that so we launched the first season of the fit in November 2019 and then around I want to say May last year that was when we properly started working on the product so it evolved a lot from the original concept um, that Judith came up with, which was um, an app that people download to kind of tell them their size amongst other things, all the way getting up to the point where we are now, which is a Chrome plugin. And that came about through um, many of you who are on this live contributing and um, telling us what you want and helping us out through user tests. So it was a lot. It was a long journey to get here. Um, yeah. I don't even think it was linear. It was, there was a lot of... Oh, definitely not. A hundred percent not. I mean, from an app to an extension, it's the biggest pivot I think possible. Um, but I think what made it easy was that at that stage, it was very much an idea. And I think it's very easy to pivot when it's idea stage versus when it's something that's fully fledged and in the market. And I think in a way it worked out perfectly with the timing of us meeting and even I think the next question now would be, you know, what came first, the product or the podcast? Obviously, the podcast did, um, which was in my head, because I'll be very honest, I had no idea what the product would look like. I said an app, but I didn't know that, you know, there were different ways to solve the same problem at the time. And the, like, I'm a marketer, the way I think and I look at things is through like how to market it. And I sat there and I said, OK, you know what? I know like it's very random for me to just drop this solution without actually, you know, positioning myself as someone who knows what they're talking about so I was like you know what a podcast would be the best way to market this pre-product and that's how I approached Elizabeth and clearly it, it did what it had to do because we have an amazing audience um, of listeners as well as users of the product that you know are interested in things we have to say which I think is really really cool yeah absolutely um, thank you Zoe um, Zoe said she loves the app extension on Chrome thank um, you yeah, I guess to add to that, a lot of the time people kind of like, oh, yeah, this is a product that I want to launch. I want to start a business and this is what I want to do. And I think one of the biggest lessons was to be flexible 
about the product. So it's less so about what you actually release and more about how you're solving the problem for people. So we had discussed so many different ways to solve the problem of sizing for users. It could have been that app. It could have been directly integrated in your favorite retailers. It could be a Chrome extension. Um, so just in case you are interested in exploring something for yourself, just bear in mind that to start with may not be the one that you launch with and that's okay. You should be okay with kind of abandoning that if it doesn't work out. Yeah, 100%. And to that point, so what has the feedback been like? So um, we're seeing comments and honestly, um, my biggest shock, I think, on launch day was the fact that the feedback was overwhelmingly positive. Um, people, people have used it and they're like, oh my gosh, it works. And we're like, oh my God, it works. Even though we built it to work, it's kind of like, whoa, it works. So um, it's been super, it's been amazing to hear things like, oh, it's made my shopping so quick, or it's made me kind of stop and think whether I actually want to buy this thing because you're spending less time browsing aimlessly and feeling like you have to buy because you have time in it. That now because it's solving a problem for you, it's like, oh, okay, do I actually need that? Nah, probably not. So that is exactly what we had hoped for when we launched, that we wanted it to be where people are more mindful of how they're shopping and whether they need to buy what they are going to buy. Definitely, and you know what's so funny? We have tested this product so many times I, I i feel like at this point i have shopped more than i bought because i haven't bought anything but i've shopped so much because i needed really shopping one of the side effects of solving this problem i don't know if me, but i'm having some connection issues um it's <laughs> i think it's kind of very I can hear you fine. Yeah, I, it's not me. I can see myself moving, so I don't think it's on my side. I think it might be your signal. Uh... <laughs> oh, God. Ping less. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Can you guys let us know if you can hear me? <laughs> this is so awkward. Typical. <laughs> I want to say that it's okay. I think it's okay. Okay. Um, I can't remember what I was saying. Um, yeah, I, I think I was saying one of the side effects of us testing the product so much meant that we forgot how fast it made shopping, like the shopping process, um, in the fact that someone was like, it, it was literally, is that it? And I was like, oh, yeah, it is kind of fast because you kind of don't have to read the description. Thank you, Antonia. You kind of didn't, didn't have to read the description or you know go through the sizing chart or without the measuring tape it can't it just did it for you it tells you how the materials felt and it also told you you know your size so i think for me the feedback as well there was there was one feedback thank you guys thank you there was one feedback i saw where someone was like it's like a shopping assistant that's just like finding everything out for you that you need to know and i was just like mission accomplished like that's it that's that's literally what we wanted um, so I'm really excited for that to be rolled out um, on a wider scale for people to benefit from it. Yeah, some things that some of you may not need to know um, before you try out EFIT for the first time is, although it works um, pretty consistently, it's based on the data that we've already got. So um, just to kind of get into the back end a little bit, it looks at your last 12 months of orders 
And we know that when you shop at ASOS and when you shop at Boohoo, they're going to give you like drastically different sizes. We digged into it and sometimes the variation is absolutely ridiculous. Like there can be two sizes that, well, three sizes that match one size, which is dumb. But um, it's basically looking at those purchases and making an average and saying, okay, this is where we think you sit. And then using that average to predict your size when you shop at Zara and H&M. You don't have to have shopped at Zara and H&M to use eFitter. It's based on most of the top popular retailers like ASOS and Mango and super fast fashion brands like PLT and Co. Um, but that's how it kind of predicts your size. If you haven't shopped in the last 12 months, then we have no data to work with. Um, but as soon as you use it for the first time, we'll start to collect that and give you some recommendations. Um, if anyone hasn't used Ephesar, we'd love to hear like what your thoughts were on it in the chat, um, what the experience was like, any ideas for future products as well. Um, speaking of, we, when we were doing our user testing, um, what was it at the top? What was it that people wanted? They wanted like a um, like a full-on assistant, right? Yeah, basically a shopping assistant. And so, I think they wanted the ability to speak to them as well, like not only just click buttons. I think people wanted a more interactive um, chatbot as well. Yeah, so if we look at a shopping system, that could be stuff like product recommendations. It could be um, your birthday is coming up. Maybe you want to look at this, but we need to remember that our focus is on consumer shop and um, conscious shopping. So seeing as we're trying to, slow down that purchasing you may end up working closer with sustainable brands and fashion rental platforms rather than the fast fashion brands and that's kind of the direction we might end up going down yeah definitely um i think now would be a would have been a good time if all of you were here from the beginning you would know that we had a waitlist competition just before um we launched literally a, a day before where if you were at the top of our wait list, our wait list, and you referred as many people as possible, you probably would win um, £60 worth of Frankly Skin. Now, the funny thing is, both of the people that um, are our finalists, they actually, like, you know, tied. They're not on at the moment. Um, so, <laughs> awkward. So, um, <laughs> I think we'll probably email them separately to do that. But thank you. I, I do know some people here did join the wait list and referred other people and those people are as active as well which is amazing so thank you all yeah so what we'll do is we'll basically pick up random and then you'll find the results on our social media channels perfect so moving on to kind of what we do in terms of the fit podcast and our whole branding which is fashion tech innovation retail what are you most excited about in the future of fashion right now um, I think for me, it's it's the virtual side that I'm more um, excited about. The link between, or I want to say, the merge of both retail stores in real life, brick and mortar, and virtual reality. I feel like when we were all stuck at home, it's like virtual reality was everywhere, right? Like everyone was trying to do some sort of whether it's through games. Balenciaga is a good example, or whether it's fruit, um, virtual reality, like Snapchat filters, Instagram filters, most brands, and Hannaford is a perfect example as well. Most brands were trying to, you know, give us a different look at what fashion could look like virtually. But I think as we're going outside, I'm more interested about 
the merge between the two and how this will be you know rolled out from a strategy point of view I think we have spoken about before pop-ups being a thing virtual reality pop-ups which kind of would create this omni-channel experience for users um but yeah I think for me that's that's what's most exciting what about you yeah basically the same thing um I was reading this article today um in Evening Standard magazine it was basically about what London is going to look like when it opens up again and on Oxford Street they've been running a pop-up for about a week now of different retailers um, and tech companies as well so we mentioned that Wearing, who we featured in our podcast earlier in the season, they were at the space. They don't sell anything physically, they just have an app. But what they could do is there were walls where they can kind of like connect their branding and stuff. And it was like an interactive wall where you could kind of go through and see um, different stats about Earth Day and um, the environmental impacts on fashion. And it was really, really cool. It was like an immersive experience. And I think that now, especially as Oxford Street now looks very different to Oxford Street pre-lockdown because we're missing things like Topshop, which was like the store on Oxford Street. Like everyone would be like, oh yeah, I'm here outside of um, Topshop. Like that was the place to go. And now Topshop doesn't exist in the way that it used to. So it's going to be really interesting how they transform those massive wide open spaces where things like Topshop, um, Debenhams that's closing down, what they're going to do with those spaces to keep them relevant so that whichever stores move in don't face the same problems and it is going to be that combination of having the physical experience where people want to try on their clothes again and also having the core kind of AR, VR immersive experience where you can try on a virtual watch or you know walk around in shoes that you're not actually wearing. I think that is going to be really cool. I'm really excited to see especially what sports brands do with that um, because I think that in the last year, sports brands have been like the underrated group that have been really, really innovative. We've seen that with the new accessible Nike range. We've seen them incorporating all sorts of virtual reality into their, their style. So yeah, that's what I'm excited to see. Yeah, that's a really good example, actually. That reminds me of um, Lululemon. I think it was when they acquired, I cannot remember the name. It's a mirror, is it mirror AI or something? It was, it was a mirror based Yeah, a virtual mirror. Yeah, a virtual mirror, which is your, um, kind of like your personal trainer through a mirror kind of thing. I think that's what they went for, which I think was a really, really smart acquisition because it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. And we also had everyone, and I know, I mean everyone, buying gym wear and working out from home. So it really, really looked like an interesting acquisition, which I'm really looking forward to seeing play out in the industry. Um, like the idea of the mirror thing for working out was a bit weird to me because I feel like personally I'd use it more as an assistant as in something that would tell me the best thing to wear based on the weather or um, just have my calendar in front of me but I know that everyone's been buying pelotons but I think it would be interesting to see that intersection between sportswear and just exercise gear and tech because how much further can you really take it? Yeah, I mean I think for me, what, why it made sense was the more people weren't used to being alone, right? People weren't used to having to work out by themselves. People weren't used to, and especially with the whole idea of how gyms were helping people's mental health, it did make, for me, I think it made perfect sense. However, I think now that gyms are open, it's like, where, yeah, where does that go? Unless it's something they integrate in their stores, 
um and then they host i don't know yoga days or something virtually i, I don't know something um yeah it does feel like there's a bit of a dead end at the moment but you never know you never really know yeah it just feels like in the last six months we've really accelerated in tech it feels like we've gone years in advance so i'm really excited to see what high street looks like in two three years time because i'm not con- i don't believe in the death of the high street i'm not convinced that's going to happen i just think it's going to be a reimagination of what we think high street shopping is yeah i think i think it's going to change but i think there will always be a high street as long as there's people to walk on the high street <laughs> and i think i went on oxford street today actually and it was busy and i was thinking pandemic yep. where like what <laughs> and on top of that obviously like you said top shops closed but it's still like they haven't replaced it it's massive and it goes all the way around i didn't realize how big it was until it was empty so I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with that but people are definitely always going to be on the high street which is something you can't change it's just i think how these brands reach them which will be really interesting and i know boohoo's actually opening like an in real life office i think it's for topshop don't quote me on that but yeah they are opening something that's a um off, i don't know if it's an office space or like a pop-up something something so mm-hmm. these things are making sense um for them so who knows We'll be back to this conversation in a sec, but in the meantime, here's our take on what's happening in the world of fashion and tech. New investment fund Burimian has launched with the aim of scaling African fashion brands in the luxury space. As well as providing funding between $30,000 and $3 million, they will also provide guidance on scaling operations, financial planning and distribution while mentoring 20 brands without taking a stake in their businesses. Large African fashion houses are yet to emerge, but Burimian founder Laureen Kwasi Olsen hopes to change that. You know what? The whole idea of there not being African, like large scale African fashion houses, I don't think it's a thing where they necessarily need the help to scale to that point because we have boutique fashion houses all around Europe and they have the name and the recognition. But for some reason, even though it is widely recognised that Um, African designers and creatives are amongst the most creative in the world. They just don't get that same level of esteem. It's as if like there's this implicit thing that luxury cannot exist in Africa. Off the back of the pandemic, companies are seeing increased demand for on-demand manufacturing. Fashion manufacturing is notoriously wasteful, and we know that surplus items could be dumped in landfill or worse, burned. So this model could reduce waste in the industry. However, scaling on-demand manufacturing has proven challenging. I don't know, I feel like post-COVID, we were kind of in a place where a lot of these brands refused to pay um, factories, factory workers, and it left this whole gap of okay if people aren't being paid what happens to the clothes or uh, if people aren't being paid and if clothes aren't being sold then what happens to the clothes so i do feel like if manufacturing had become an on-demand thing and i know it's hard to say in fast fashion because fast fashion is fast for a reason but if manufacturing for clothes becomes an on-demand thing versus let's just get as many um as many items as possible out there as fast as possible then we would definitely see a reduction in waste. All made on demand would do, I think, is slow down the time it takes to get from order to delivery. And that might be frustrating for users. So I don't see, I honestly don't see wide adoption of this happening. 
Um, I don't see it happening in fast fashion brands full stop because of the time it will take to get something manufactured, shipped and so on. I don't think a lot of um, brands have the infrastructure to do that. Mm. I think maybe the Inditex ones probably could because honestly, the, the way the Inditex manufactures is just super, super efficient. Yeah. But when you look at the super fast fashion brands that are based in the UK, like Boohoo, Misguided and so on, I don't think there's any way that they could possibly do that. No. And I don't think they'd want to. Asda is rolling out a second-hand clothing aisle in 50 of its shops following successful trials in 2019. They will be working with wholesaler Preloved Vintage Kilo to sell vintage and retro clothing. Their aim is to bring sustainable fashion to the mainstream and help shape the UK's reputation as the biggest consumers in Europe. I have so many feelings on this. <laughs> like, so many. Because, <laughs> alright, so first of all, it's Asda. And... Typically, Asda caters to lower income families because it's one of the lower priced supermarkets, which is great, which makes you think this is a really good placement um, because presumably the items will be a little bit cheaper than the regular George range. So that might make them more accessible. But then the flip side of that for me is if they are just selling secondhand clothing, people can get secondhand clothing from anywhere. They can get it from various charity shops on the high street as well. So my question would then be, what would make people buy them from Asda as opposed to charity shops if they're not doing so already? If I'm walking into Asda, even if I'm going in there to buy food, I am not walking past the clothing aisle. Like I'm, I'm, I don't know if everyone's Asda is structured the same, but I'm imagining my Asda in my head and to the left is all the clothing and DVDs and stuff and homeware and to the right is all the food and I'm, I came to buy groceries so I, I don't feel like it's completely um, effective but I, what I it kind of kills two birds with one stone because for the pre-love vintage wholesale company is great exposure right they I think they said they um, prevent more than 800 tons of clothing from ending up in landfill incinerators to date um, and they said that the ASDA partnership will increase that figure dramatically so clearly it's beneficial for them and for asda is great because oh we're sustainable you know we support sustainable initiatives in the circular economy i think it's it can be seen for me i just see it as more of a stunt for both sides versus an effective way to get the real people that actually need to think about shopping secondhand shopping secondhand i used to work at a charity shop and People just don't, obviously, people, like the most popular place to buy secondhand clothing is a charity shop. So people will donate tons and tons of clothing, but often we couldn't sell a lot of it because it needed to be mended or there were just minor issues with it. So we had to dump it. So it's the question of whether promoting secondhand clothing in this way is, are they actually going to be able to shift the material? Because I can imagine if something's been standing on that rack for a couple of weeks and they can't sell it, what are they going to do with it? Dump it probably. So yeah, it's a question of whether that is actually the most sustainable way to encourage people to pay attention to the circular economy. So I can drop it now. Someone did ask, um, what are we most excited about now that we've launched? Oh, I think it's one of our questions, but yeah, someone asked, <laughs> someone asked that. Um, what was- 
most excited about? I think I'm most excited about what our brand partnerships will look like. Because normally, in if we're doing what we're doing, and, well, kind of, let me start from the beginning. When you guys go on ASOS, and you have that sizing thing, and it says, enter your height, enter your weight, enter your body chart, type into your star sign enter the laughing <laughs> war when you went out on the sunday night like it asks you on entire story <laughs> you get halfway through and you're like i can't be good and then you get a recommendation that is rubbish because you didn't fill it out and then even if you do take the time to fill out the whole 10 minute survey you still get something that doesn't work for you so <laughs> those solutions um tend to be powered by companies that are similar to us and they kind of work with those brands like ASOS and Misguided and whatever it may be. We don't really want to be doing that because, like, again, it doesn't really fit in with our ethos. So we know that everybody's in a different place in their sustainability journey. Some people have said to us, oh, you know, we started listening to the fit and we now, um, it takes us more time to make a purchase or I have to keep an item in my basket until I'm sure that I'm going to buy it or I don't return clothes that don't fit me anymore. I just try very hard to find the right fit before I order. And these are all great changes that are making a difference to like our consumption. But there are other people who are like, okay, I'm not going to shop at Misguided. I'm not going to shop at any fast fashion brand. I'm only going to buy secondhand. There'll be people who swear off buying clothes for an entire year. And we kind of want to cater to people wherever they are on their journey. So I think what's really exciting about what we're looking to do is the partnerships with, um, you know, sustainable brands that aren't necessarily fashion brands. Like we mentioned Sojo, where they do clothing mending, or um, the high-end designer renting platforms like Adair House or by rotation. And I think that the way that we're approaching it is just different from what everybody else is doing. And I think those kind of partnerships where it's like you have your one-stop shop to do everything fashion-related that is the future and I'm really excited to see how we can break into that space. A hundred percent and I, I also think I mean at the core has been our users right at the core has been our community whether it's just like through our podcast or whether it's through the product we've always been focused on solving the problem with you guys first and then branching out into wider scale in terms of our audience but one thing that I'm really looking forward to as well is the product recommendation tool that can actually recommend sustainable alternatives, something that we really want because at the end of the day, we're solving a problem as you shop, which means you are probably going to buy something, but we don't want you to buy, not that we don't want you to buy, we just want you to be a bit more conscious with how you're spending and where you're spending. So we will offer sustainable alternatives. We may even offer metrics, you know, to show you how much water you're saving with each purchase and how much, you know, um, more sustainable the purchase is than if it was somewhere else, if it was two of the same item. These are the kind of things that we want you to be a bit more conscious about. And we hope that with every shop you do with us, it helps you better you know, shop the next time. And I think making you guys a center of that solution is the best way to do it. And I think as Elizabeth said, every other retailer, sorry, every other business that does what we do, they've done it in a completely different way. And we're not, here to bash anyone there are competitors at the end of the day but we are focused on the problem itself and on how your shopping experience can change for the better so that's what's so important to us and i think yeah that's what's the most exciting thing 
Yeah, and I think the other thing that would be really exciting is to see what we do next with the actual product. So um, we mentioned this so many times that we want to be the shopping assistant and it's about solving whatever problems you have while you're shopping. It starts off a poor fit and then it's, oh, I don't know whether this outfit already goes with something I have in my wardrobe or I don't know what to wear to this event based on what everyone else is wearing. And I think it's like those big picture shopping problems that we're trying to bring together. Um, and also we mentioned that, you know, people want to be on the high street. It's a social occasion. But seeing as we're kind of moving to this digital model, we want to see how we can bring that social aspect digital as well, which we know so many other brands are doing the same thing. So it'll be great to see how we can collaborate with them. 100%. Um, and I think there's one more question. So what's the next big milestone we're working towards? I feel like we've covered this like different times. Well, um, the next big milestone is probably the brand stuff. So that, <laughs> sorry, I should expand. Working with, um, working with these complementary brands, working with other oh. brands. I think that's the next big thing. We really want to be present wherever you're shopping. So um, probably that. What do you think? Um, yeah, I think the thing is, I'm trying not to be too picky with our milestones. I think everything that we roll out should be a considered milestone, no matter the size. So I think the smallest, okay, it did say next big milestone, so I guess it is the big one. Um, but for me, I think I'm really excited, and I think there's a milestone, to get a certain number of brands onboarded in terms of the plugin itself, so that we can get you guys shopping as sustainable as possible with us wherever you shop. Um, currently, as you guys know, we're on Zara and H&M. But obviously, the idea is to expand. And as we partner with these brands, um, and I think that ties into the milestones, we would be able to reach a wider audience and also a wider array of brands wherever you are. Um, I think for me, that's a big milestone because it means that we are changing where you shop in more places than two. And as well as that, we are you know, cultivating relationships with sustainable brands, sustainable rental platforms, and sustainable alternative options to shopping. So, yeah, I think milestones are everywhere for us right now. It's like we're getting them wherever we can in whatever order. Yeah. So with that, if you have any brands that you'd like to see Ether on, let us know. Um, talking of milestones, though, did you actually celebrate launch day? <laughs> She's asking me this because I have a problem celebrating things I should celebrate. You know what? I slept a lot yesterday, and I think to me that's a celebration. Like I actually slept a bit more than I <laughs> than I should have. No. Um. In all seriousness, I actually did make a mental note too. It was it wasn't planned though, and I think next time I'll plan it. But I just on Saturday, I like my cousin came over. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna chill. Like it. it like we just launched. Like it's it's great. You know, it's something we've been working on for over a year. For me, over two. Like it, it's it's great. But at the same time, I felt guilty. So balance, I guess. No, I knew I knew what I was asking. Um, but rest is important because it's something that you weren't doing before. So that in itself yeah. is realizing that we've done what we've done. Um, mm -hmm. What did I do to celebrate? I did the same thing, but I think on the evening of, I came home, I watched a film, Waiting to Excel, which was a bit miserable considering. <laughs> <laughs> had a glass of 
and an apple pie and I watched the film without my laptop and I think that was my celebration <laughs> you know I said on my laptop the whole oh wow the whole 24 hours I was on it it's okay tomorrow's a new day yeah so yeah we, we, we kind of struggle with this and we've been very transparent with it um knowing when to rest before you burn out that's the most important thing so yeah we're gonna try and take note of that because I don't think lunch after lunch is gonna be any easier so exactly um yeah. there was one question that we missed actually which is oh. what was the toughest part of us launching Um, we had a very interesting relationship with our developers, they're outsourced. Um, I don't know how to, like, honestly, it was just one of those things that creep up on you. Like, we, we think everything's fine, and then it's like, it's not fine, and then it's fine again, and then it's not fine. It was just not very great communication. I think that was the toughest part. Like, we don't, we're not micromanagers. We kind of, you know, want to give people their job to do and you you do it like we trust you to deliver that's why you know we're working together but it, it didn't go that smooth and we're very transparent on our podcast you know we talk about the things that work and the things that don't and it didn't work for us and I think that was the toughest part because every time we thought okay the product works it, it didn't <laughs> it didn't and in like full transparency you were planning to launch was it not first mm-hmm. like beginning of February yeah we're in April so I think that says a lot. That's the toughest part. It's, you know, trying to control things you can't control or that you shouldn't really have to. Um, and I think it also taught us a lesson on how to work with people um, because we've never been in this position before, especially when, you know, basically the whole relationship is riding on, sorry, the whole product is on the relationship you have with the developer um, and, you know, treating things amicably, you know, leaving things amicably, it's a whole new world to us. So... We're here, we made it, the product didn't break, so thank God. But yeah, I think that for me was the toughest. What about you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Judith gave this a very, very, very diplomatic response and I have to respect you for it because I... <laughs> <laughs> As we mentioned at the start of this, um, 3 a.m. on Thursday, launch day, Thursday, we were not sure whether our products would be approved in the Google Chrome store or not, because (laughs) the initial process of getting it approved took about two weeks. And because the product was not working, we had to kind of make test, make amendments and then re-upload it and so on. So it was really just one of those things where at 3am we were just like, it's above us now. (laughs) Whatever happens, happens. So that was that. And by the grace of God, by 7am, it was approved. So it was... Do you know how fine that was cutting it? Just on the side. <laughs> so fine. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I mean, that was a real, real, real challenge. Um, I think, as Judith mentioned, it was the people management. It was a terminating a relationship without kind of burning bridges. That whole thing was difficult. But I also think one of the biggest lessons that we learned is that Every single tech company, every single company, whether they are big and they've been established for 10 years or they're really, really small, no one knows what they're doing. Nobody. (laughs) Everybody is clueless. Everybody is building a product that doesn't work. Even the most established companies. I remember at the start of this thinking, oh, like, why do companies like 
I don't know, Facebook and whatever have these massive product management teams. Why do they need all of that for one feature? You have like 10 people, 20 people for one feature and you realize when you're in the nitty gritty and you're like a super user of these products, why they exist because they kind of built something and said, okay, it works, but just don't go around the back and it won't work. And we had so many encounters with so many companies, like um, some of our favorite companies, like Canva and our referral thing. It was just, it was us hacking things nonstop. It was just finding hacky solutions to problems every, every step along the way. I think that was one of the biggest learnings to see a product and take it as it is and not get frustrated that it doesn't do everything that it's meant to do, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think we vow to each other to never, ever put out a product like that because... I can't promise anything, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. The product will work, guys, guys, guys. The product will work because how can you give us a product that doesn't work? I don't understand. Like, a lot of these products were broken. I've seen, we were trying to... And we're asking the customer service for help. And but anyway, like like Liz just said, you know, every single business is winging it. So are we. Basically, exactly. <laughs> the one thing we we'll always be able to ensure, even if it doesn't work or if you have any questions, is that we will always deliver a great service, regardless. So you 10, can hold a thousand percent, hundred percent. I don't know if anyone has any questions. I don't see any box. I'm trying to scroll up. I don't think there were any. Um, no, I don't think there's any. Cool. I think that's that then. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, yeah, thank you guys for joining today, for testing multiple times, some of you, for listening to the podcast for supporting us, for helping us with every call out that we've ever had. We, you were literally saying the other day that I've never seen a community just kind of pull through and be so supportive at every single turn ever. It's been amazing. You guys have made this so easy and you've made it such a joy. And even the sleepless nights and everything else has been worth it because we're producing something that you guys love and that you'll use and that is solving a problem for you. So thank you. Thank you so much. And I think one thing that I absolutely love about this community is you guys don't keep quiet about us. Like you guys talk to your friends about us all the time. Like, you know that podcast, you know that product, you should like not a A tribe for real. Thank you. And for the new members that have just joined us over the past week, you're in for a ride. It's gonna be really fun. Obviously the podcast ends with this episode for this season, but keep your eye out for maybe some bonuses i don't know how we're feeling maybe some bonuses and for um the next season it should be in a couple months um, but we're so excited to roll that out and roll out obviously everything to do with the products but if you have used ethertur feel free to dm us anything that you've noticed anything that you you want us to think about adding anything that, any questions you might have we're here literally 24 7 and we want to hear from you um <laughs> so yeah please do please do let us know Thanks for listening to this episode of The Fit. For more updates, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at eFitterApp or follow us with the hashtag TheFitPod. Don't forget to like us, rate us, comment, engage however you listen to your podcasts. It's really important for us so that we can get the word out there. See you soon. Bye.